This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. This time, 2-1, to one, they get good pitching, which they've done quite a bit this season. And when they do get good pitching, they don't hit. And then when they hit, they don't get good pitching. And it adds up to their 43rd loss of the season, as you heard in the update. They're now... On the season, 35-43, and 43, eight games below 500. Now, since the 2nd of June, they were 30-27 and 27 after a win on June 1st. Since then, over their last 21 games, including tonight's 2-1 defeat, they're 5-16. And, 16. and it, is, it is more than slipping away from them. You know, each every day, whatever show it is on this station, and it starts bright and early in the morning with DiPietro and Rothenberg, as it will tomorrow, picking up on the conversation we're going to have over the next two hours, all the way through to the final uh, show of the night, which tonight happens to be me, and for Larry and Gordon, who you just heard uh, prior to this. All day long, the conversation is about where they stand in terms of, never mind the division, because the division is long gone. They're 16 games behind the Atlanta Braves, who never seem to lose. 16 games behind the Braves, and we're not even to the 4th of July yet. Forget about that. But this is a team that the idea of them not being in a pennant race or a playoff race, at least a wild card race, especially after what happened last season, then the offseason spending spree, uh, the headliners on this roster, led by the two future Hall of Fame pitchers, one of whom pitched tonight, one of whom pitched well tonight pretty well Justin Verlander five shutout innings he really had to gut his way through those five innings but the thought of this team not being involved in a uh, playoff push of any kind whether it be wild card whether it be division whether it ultimately be the pennant I, I still think that Mets fans have really been slapped in the face here over the last three weeks and they still haven't completely come to grips that the playoffs are such a remote pot. The playoffs, okay? We're not talking about the National League East. Right now, if you look at this team, the playoffs are such a remote possibility. I still think it's very difficult for followers of this team to come to grips with that. I mean, you think about what happened yesterday in Philadelphia, that absolute meltdown of a loss where they had a chance to gain some momentum, win a series, come back home against a winnable opponent, one of the teams they're trying to chase for this wild card race in the National League, and they lose that game. And to come back tonight and muster three hits, three hits against a guy who had only gone more than, actually hadn't gone more than six innings, Colin Ray, at all this season. That's the response, and the Mets have their guys. You know, we'll talk mostly Mets here at the beginning of the show. We'll obviously touch on the Yankees, too. But just to give a quick comparison between the Mets and the Yankees, you know, with the Yankees, you can at least point to who's missing. And obviously the biggest answer is Aaron Judge is missing, but they have other guys that are missing from their lineup and from their uh, pitching rotation and their bullpen as well. The Mets, for the most part, this is this is the Mets. And I just remember going back to opening day, and I've said this before on this station, and every single time I'm hosting a show here, it rings more and more true. I just remember opening day watching the entire roster get called out uh, up the first baseline uh, as they do on opening day, as is tradition in Major League Baseball, and thinking as I hear name after name after name called off, this isn't that good of a team. I'm, you know, I'm thinking maybe I'm missing something here. Obviously, you know, 
the absence of Edwin Diaz has been huge. Justin Verlander didn't start the season on the active roster, so that was kind of in the back of my mind. I was thinking, all right, maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe once we see them, you know, play um, a string of games, it'll be similar to last year. And at no point has it been. Even at the beginning of the season when they were, you know, a few games above 500, but they were struggling to just keep their heads above water. And then the roof fell in or the ceiling fell in, or the floor fell in. It's all falling in, starting the really the beginning of this month, June 2nd. 5-16. and 5-16, and 16, that's Oakland A's baseball right there. That's Oakland Athletics baseball. That's not a playoff team. That's not a division contender. That's not the team with the highest payroll in baseball. And as this continues, and if this continues, it's going to go down as one of the biggest disasters in baseball history. You know, we all joke about the 92 Mets and – the headlines, the worst team money can buy. This is going to blow that out of the water if this continues. I mean, you seriously have spent more money on your roster than every single team in baseball, and then you lap them in terms of how much money you spent. And you look at the standings right now, there are three teams in the National League that are worse. Never mind the wild card of the division. Don't look up from the way the Mets are. Look down from where the Mets are in the standings right now. There are three National League teams that are worse. One of them is the Cardinals, a team that, in terms of their franchise, is having an historically inept season. Also a team that came into City Field last weekend and took two out of three. You have the Nationals, who are in complete rebuilding breakdown mode. And you have the Colorado Rockies, and you can say the same thing about them. Those are the only three teams in the entire National League that are worse than the Mets. Seven teams in all of Major League Baseball are worse than the Mets. This was a team that last year, early to mid-August, when they were really rolling and just sprinting, sprinting towards a division championship and what everyone hoped would be a lengthy playoff run led by the right arms of Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. This is a team that last year was arguably the best team in baseball. You know, I just remember last season talking about who were the best teams in baseball around, you know, the six weeks from the end of the season. And it was the Dodgers. It was the Mets. It was the Braves. They were starting to come on. It was the Yankees. It was the Astros. That was it. Those were really the five teams that were at the top of the sport that had separated themselves from everyone else in the sport. And what has happened from then to now is just unfathomable where this team is right now. I mean, at, at what point do you sound the alarm bells? And what do the alarm bells sound like? And I know everybody's going to point to Buck. You know, Buck Showalter was the toast of the town last year. I'm as big a Buck Showalter fan as you'll find. And I'll say this right now. There is absolutely no way you get rid of Buck Showalter, you bring someone else in, and your franchise is better over the long haul. All right, so call me up, 1-800-919-3776. Call me a buck apologist. Tell me I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. This is not the manager's fault. He just got here last year and turned around the entire culture of your franchise. All right, now, you, again, I'll do a quick sidebar in comparison to the other team in New York that is struggling, but it struggles certainly pale in comparison to what's going on in Queens. But Aaron Boone's been here for six years, right? Aaron Boone's been here for six years, and he's managed a team with a high payroll every single year one that has high expectations every single year, and it hasn't happened. All right, that's six years. This is his sixth year as the Yankees manager. 
All right, if you want to take a look at changing the voice or changing the scenery, you look at a guy who's been given a tenure of four, five, or six years. You don't look at a guy who got here at the beginning of last season in one month, not even one year, in one month, Buck changed the entire culture of this franchise. Now all of a sudden he doesn't know what he's talking about. So call me up and tell me I'm wrong and I'm a Buck Showalter apologist. All right, I'll argue with you. All right, and I'll be happy to do so. Because if you get rid of Buck Showalter tonight or tomorrow, whenever it is, it's not going to make this team better. Maybe, all right, maybe they get the little, you know, jolt over the next week. The next two weeks, they start playing better. They go on an 8-3 and three run. But over the long term, you take that guy away from this team with his wealth of knowledge and his experience, it's not going to be better over the long term. So that's not the answer. What is the answer? There are, that's the problem. There are no answers on this roster right now. There's no answers. You know, how did they get to 101 wins last year? And they should have won the division. They imploded the last... You know, they they started, they took their foot off the gas. They lost concentration the last month of the season, and it really did cost them because it allowed Atlanta to go into that last series knowing that they had a chance to win the division. And that's exactly what happened. And and the Mets threw it away the last weekend of the season. But they still won 101 games. They were still a team that heading into the playoffs, you considered one of the five best in baseball. So what happened between then and now. Well, what happened is nobody's playing well. Who's playing well on this team? You know, Nimmo's been fine. He gets on base a lot. He's got the 369 on base percentage. But Marte, last year compared to this year, huge drop in production. Francisco Lindor was great last year. Had the best season a Mets shortstop has ever had. He's batting 223. Yes, the power numbers are still there. He's scoring runs. But he's batting 223 with a 7 47 OPS. That's average. That's average. Now he's getting paid. He's not an average player. He's not getting paid like an average player. He shouldn't be producing like an average player. All right. Alonzo's Alonzo. He was hurt. That was unfortunate. He still carries the team, you know, many, many nights. Jeff McNeil won the batting title last year. Jeff McNeil had the highest batting average in Major League Baseball, not the National League. He's almost 100 points off that pace right now, hitting 257. He's lost right now. What is the O for his last 16? O for his last 17? Eduardo Escobar, you've already gotten rid of him. Mark Hanna hasn't done enough to warrant a spot in the lineup every single day. So the guys just aren't producing. I mean, the lineup and the ninth inning of this game tonight, this was a 2-1 to game. This game was there to be won. Verlander was in and out of trouble all night. And he gave you a really strong, tough, veteran effort, right? Pitchers do not have it every single night. That is just the nature of this sport. And what separates the good ones from the great ones or the mediocre ones from the good ones is what you do to get through a game on a night you don't have it. And Verlander was in trouble in the first inning. He had the bases loaded with one out. He got a weak tapper back to the mound. He flipped it home. They almost turned it into a double play, but he got out of that. A couple of other times, they had two runners on, and he had to work out of that, whether it was first and second, whether it was second and third. He was in trouble all night. He threw 100 pitches over five innings. They had to take him out, but what did he do? He he left with the lead, but it was only a one nothing lead, and the Mets got that lead because of a defensive miscue by the Brewers. That's the only reason they were able to get that run, and when you don't score runs, when you score one run and you muster three base hits, it leaves your team with no margin for error. And they went to Drew Smith, which I thought was a good, uh, good call. This was his first game back since the suspension when he was ejected for the sticky substances on his hands on June 13th 
in the game against the Yankees. He's rested. The bullpen has not been good anyway. It's been a hot topic of conversation, how it was handled the day before in Philadelphia. But you bring in Drew Smith, and he gives up a two-run home run, a bomb two-run home run to the number nine hitter in the lineup who was batting less than 200, Joey Weimer. It was a bomb. It almost hit the apple, and that's it. one nothing becomes 2-1. to one. The Mets get three hits the entire game, and that's it. And the way they went down in the ninth inning, you thought, okay, if you're going to be down by a run going into the bottom of the ninth inning, who do you want up? Three, four, and five. And that's who you had. You had Lindor, you had Alonzo, and you had Vogelback, your number five hitter. And yeah, they have a great closer in Devin Williams. He threw six pitches. He needed six pitches to breeze through the heart of the Mets order. As Lindor grounds out to second, Alonzo grounds out to short, and Vogelback fouls out to the catcher. And the Mets once again go down without a fight. And they lose the first of this four-game series to Milwaukee to drop their record to 35-43. and 43. So where do they stand right now? You know, I mentioned the division only just kind of in jest, right? The division's not going to be a factor at all this season. There's 16 games behind the Atlanta Braves. The Braves look like, and in my opinion, are the best team in baseball. You want to say Tampa Bay? Maybe. I think Tampa Bay's record is a product of a very easy schedule at the beginning of the season. I think Atlanta is the best team in baseball right now, but that's not really the argument we're talking about. They're um, clearly the best team in the National League, and they're 16 games ahead of the Mets. The Mets are eight and a half games out of the third wild card spot. Out of the third wild card spot, not the first, not the second, the third wild card spot, they are eight and a half games behind, and they have to jump over seven teams to get into that spot. This is a team that it looks very, very unlikely. They're not only going to – it looks unlikely that they're going to make the playoffs. It looks unlikely that they're going to contend for a playoff spot this year. And this could get ugly because what does that mean in August and September at City Field? That means you're going to have a team with a $350 million payroll playing meaningless games in the summer months here in New York City. And that is – an absolute disaster compared to what the expectations for this team was. So what are the answers? I don't see any. Please call me and tell me what the answers are. The answers, and I hate to make this simplistic, the answers are the guys that you're paying all those millions of dollars to have to play better. Even Pete Alonzo. Everybody has to play better. Nobody is playing as well as they did last year. Nobody. Whether it's Max Scherzer, obviously Justin Verlander, Nimmo, Marte, Lindor, Alonzo, Vogelback, McNeil. You know, thank God Tommy Pham's been productive. Nobody has, everybody is worse than they were last year. You don't have your closer. You haven't had a full complement of Verlander. And when you have, he's been inconsistent. Scherzer's been inconsistent. Without the closer, the bullpen has been bad as a whole and overworked by their key guys, and it adds up to 35 and 43, and it adds up to a team that does not have any answers right now, and I don't know what the answer is for this team to turn it around and get back into the playoff race.
1-800-919-3776. Here till midnight, Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Analysis of who my top five would be on that ballot, but that's just absolutely insane. When 195 out of 196 people think he's first and he was nearly the unanimous MVP and the last person put him fifth on their ballot that's that's somebody who should have their ballot revoked i i hope that that person's uh name becomes public and that person is embarrassed and a lot of times when that person does something like that they're doing it just for the publicity because there may be a nobody in a small market that happens to have a vote for the nhl awards and this is the only way that they can get their name out there and unfortunately that's not the role of the media but some people in this business, and it's my business, it's some people in this business, it's try to make it about them as opposed to what they're actually supposed to be covering. So shame on that person. Uh, I hope the person has their ballot revoked going forward because that type of person shouldn't be voting on that type of award. All right, let's go back to the Mets. 1-800-919-3776. Still plenty to talk to. We'll get some post-game reaction uh, from Buck Showalter and more inside the Mets clubhouse after their latest loss, 2-1, to one, to open a four-game series at home against the Milwaukee Brewers. Let's go to Sam in Texas checking in. Sam, what's going on? Hey, Pat, how you doing, bro? my brother? I hope all is well with you and your family, my man. You too. Uh, thank you, sir. Well, uh, all is not well here. Uh, to start off, it's 924 at night, and it's still 104 degrees. Uh, I am not making that up. And then I was listening to this uh, Mets game today, and it's I, you're right. There are no answers to this. And the weird, ironic thing about it all is that the only person that I actually still have 100% trust in is Buck, but he's the one that's going to end up getting fired out of this all. <laughs> is it his fault that they got, what, three hits today? None after the fifth inning? Um, is it his fault that Verlander and Max Scherzer can only go four innings? Like, it, it, there's no answer to this. It's the the thing that's really ma- been making me scratch my head and actually kind of making me feel better about myself because I don't think I've ever been this wrong about a Mets team. But to make me feel a little bit ba- better, Vegas was as wrong. And I don't think they've ever been this wrong about any team in any sport before because I think they were calling for, what, 100, 101 wins? Now, of course, with Diaz going out, that made a huge effect, but you broke it down. I mean, McNeil is batting, what, 100 points less than last year? Marte is a shell of himself, which I'm actually really shocked about because, to me, he was last year's MVP. Um, Alonzo, yeah, the power is there, but what, batting average is, what, two-something? And I know batting average nowadays means less than anything else, but last I checked... Uh, Luis Arias, whatever his name is over there in uh, Miami, is batting 400, and I I think that's pretty valuable to a team that's, what, 10 games over 500? So, Pat, there are no answers, man. There there really isn't. And the unfortunate answer that they're going to come across is firing the one guy that shouldn't be fired. Uh, I really don't have anything else to say, my brother. Thank you for the time. Uh, excuse me, I'm going to go jump off of a skyscraper now. <laughs> I hope you have a wonderful get rest in the, of your day. My get man. in the air condition down there in Texas, Sam. Thanks for the call. And I do. He he laid it out pretty well. And that's just the that's the nature of sports and any sport, whether it's you know the NBA or the NFL. Um, you can't you can't replace 25 guys on the roster. They're the ones who are underperforming. But 
you know, Bucks on the second year of a three-year contract. Um, he's the one that's going to pay with his job, and it has happened, you know, throughout history in Major League Baseball and in all sports. I, I would add, I, I don't know that Buck's the only one on the roster I have confidence in. I do have confidence in Pete Alonzo. Look, I, I'm willing. Alonzo's power numbers are so good. And, look, the average is has taken a dip since he's come back. He was supposed to be out for three to four weeks. He was out for, what, a week and a half? He rushed himself back. He's been in the lineup. He's struggled since then. But I'm giving Alonzo a pass for his numbers since coming off the injury list because they need him. But I'm not worried about Alonzo's batting average either way because his numbers in the power departments are just so prolific that it masks any – deficiencies in his batting average but you know everybody else you know Lindor the power numbers are good but enough with 223 I mean Lindor was supposed to be like the face of the sport and they traded for him and right before Cohen's first opening day they signed him to that ridiculous contract that was ridiculous in the moment and now you're only three years in and what do you got nine years left on that contract and it's just looking worse I mean I could have seen that coming up million miles away Marte yeah when he got hurt at the end of last year that's when the Mets season started to take a downward turn and I felt that if the Mets were in a big spot in the postseason if they got to that the guy on that team last year that gave me the most confidence last year to come through was Marte but unfortunately when he got hurt at the end of the season he was never the same player again after that McNeil, I don't know what's going on. You know, McNeil, what's happening with him reminds me of what's happening with DJ LeMahieu with the Yankees. You know, it's a guy with a track record, and they're similar type hitters. You know, they're not the big power hitters. They're line drive hitters, but high batting averages, high on base percentages, and neither of them are performing right now. LeMahieu, to me, is a little more understandable because I think LeMahieu's just on the backside of his career, and I don't know that he's going to recover um, Jeff McNeil won the batting title last year. He had the highest batting average in Major League Baseball. You know, our last caller mentioned Luis Arise. That was that was McNeil last year. I mean, he wasn't batting 400, but nobody hit as high as he did. Um, and then you and that that's just the lineup. And and the lineup's inept. And again, when the lineup scores runs like they did yesterday, then the pitching can't hold it. And usually it's the bullpen giving that up. And that is the Edwin Diaz effect. And that is, I think. We all knew how catastrophic an injury that was when it happened in the World Baseball Classic. I think it's even worse. It's worse than I could have imagined because I didn't realize the significant. I mean, it's the definition of a trickle-down effect, right? Imagine if David Robertson, pitching as well as he has pitched this year, imagine if he's your eighth-inning guy, you know, if he's just your setup guy as opposed to your closer who you have to rely on for everything. And then Adam Adovino who pitches well when he is rested. And when he has to go on back-to-back days, he doesn't pitch well. Well, he he has to go on back-to-back days because despite his struggles, he's your second option in that bullpen. Well, if he were your third option behind Diaz and David Robertson, you wouldn't have to go to Adovino as much as you have had to, and so on and so on. I mean, the Mets today had a 1-0 lead. They had to pull Verlander after the fifth inning. And it's basically like, hold on for dear life. You know, you really, you're asking this bullpen to protect a one-run lead for four innings of the game. That wasn't going to happen. You know, at least Drew Smith took the um, took the drama out of it by giving up the two-run home run right away. 
to Joey Weimer in that sixth inning so we didn't have to wait for four innings to find out when the other shoe was going to drop. It was quick and painless, and you knew at that point. I shouldn't say you knew, but you had a pretty strong suspicion that the Mets weren't going to muster any offense going forward, and they didn't. So that's the the lineup. There's no answers there. And then your two highest-paid players. And I hate bringing this back to money all the time, but money makes this story more than just a disappointing team. The amount of money that they spend on this team raises it to a catastrophic level. Because they pay more than everybody and then some, and they are worse than almost everybody. That's very, very hard to accomplish those two things. And the two guys who you are paying a combined $87 million to, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, again, like I said with Lindor, the amount of money you're paying Lindor, like, has Lindor been fine? I think overall you would say that Francisco Lindor has been fine. But he's not being paid to be fine. He's being paid to be exceptional. And he has not been that at all. He was pretty close to exceptional last year. He hasn't approached exceptional this year. He's fine. Power numbers are good. Gets uh, When he gets on base, he scores. Home runs, RBIs, runs. Okay, those are those are good, but he doesn't get on base enough, and the batting average is bad. So that adds up, in my mind, to fine. And you could say the same thing about Scherzer and Verlander, but they need to be dominant. I mean, you're paying each of them more for one season than any man has ever been paid for one season to play Major League Baseball, and you're doing it for two different guys. And... Yeah, Scherzer's last two starts have been better. They've been good. You know, 14 innings pitched, three earned runs since that debacle in the Subway Series opener against the Yankees on June 13th, the same night that Drew Smith was ejected and then suspended. His last two starts since then have been excellent. He's got a 3.95 ERA. He's got 76 strikeouts and 71 innings pitched. That's fine. That's not dominant, though. That's not – those aren't numbers that you would expect from somebody – who is being paid more than anybody in baseball history. And Verlander's been worse than Scherzer. And with Verlander, and he was good tonight. I thought, you know, he was tough tonight. And this is a team that hasn't exhibited a lot of toughness this season. You saw that from Verlander, but you also saw his limitations. You know, 100 pitches in five innings without giving up a run, that means you have trouble putting guys away. And he had trouble putting guys away. Now, when he had to get the out, he did. And he gave the Mets a chance to win. But they had, because of their offense, no margin for error. Now, since since May 10th, Verlander has literally been good every other start. May 10th, he gave up a run. Next start, six runs. Next start, one run. Next start, six runs. Next start, one run. Next start, four earned runs. Next start, one run. Next start, four runs. And tonight, no runs in five innings. Every other start, he's good. Every other start, he's bad. And that adds up to a 4.11 ERA. And now 49 strikeouts and 57 innings pitched. Again, it's fine. But Verlander, Scherzer, Lindor, we're talking right now $125 million in salary more than 
the Orioles, almost twice as much as the Orioles. Those three players, more than the Tampa Bay Rays, those three players being paid in the neighborhood of $125 million have been fine. And that's the top of your roster. Then you look further down at the Vogelbacks and the McNeils and the Martes and the Canas, and it gets even worse. And that adds up to 35 and 43 and going I don't know where. I really don't. I will try and get some reaction from City Field after the Mets' 2-1 to loss. We'll also talk about the Yankees' off day for them. They're out in California beginning a very important three-game series with the worst team in baseball tomorrow night, the Oakland A's in the Bay Area. Your calls and more on that, 98.7 ESPN New York. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Out West, and they begin a three-game series tomorrow in Oakland. Four series remaining, well, for both teams, but a little on the Yankees now. Four series to go until the All-Star break. Still no sign of Aaron Judge in sight. I would uh, expect him to not return until at least after the All-Star break. And depending on what you hear or what you think, it could be quite a bit after that as well. And that's the story of their season right now. But the good news is, for now anyway, and this could change, but right now the Yankees have done a pretty good job of holding the fort without Judge. It has looked ugly, but the two wins over the weekend against the Texas Rangers have bumped their record to 8-10 and 10 without Judge. And considering just how bad their offense is, I mean, their offense is unwatchable without Aaron Judge. Their offense is not the most watchable when Aaron Judge is in the lineup. He's certainly watchable. But it has been a slog for them offensively all season long, especially without Judge. So the fact that they're eight and ten during this stint, since he uh, injured his toe in at Dodger Stadium, is a very good sign. Um, especially when you consider, listen to these numbers. Yesterday, in those eighteen games that they've played now during this stint without Judge, yesterday was the third time that they scored more than four runs in those 18 games, yet they're 8-10. and 10. That shows how good the pitching has been. The starting pitching has been good, and the relief pitching has been outstanding. But you're also looking at a Yankees lineup that, at best, the top four in the lineup is major league quality. And that's Glaber Torres. That's Harrison Bader, who's a much better hitter watching him every day than... Um, I thought he was when you saw him sporadically playing in St. Louis. You thought he was just a guy who played the game smart, played the game hard, and was a good defensive player and base runner. He's a good hitter. He's not a great hitter. He's not Mickey Mantle, um, but he's a good hitter. Especially on this team, he looks like a great hitter. So you got Torres, again, who's fine. You got Bader. You got Stanton, who had a good game yesterday and has to come out of it at some point. And then you have Anthony Rizzo. And, and then you would love DJ LeMahieu to join that group. But I, I just don't know about DJ. You know, he wasn't good last year. He's been worse this season. He's had injuries, but he's been healthy this year and his production still hasn't been there. So you you are very concerned about DJ LeMahieu. Uh but if he can, you know, make a formidable not and, and formidable is not even the right word here. Uh, competent, I think is really all you're looking for for the Yankees right now because 
for so much of this season, the bottom half of the Yankees lineup has not been Major League Baseball quality. I mean, seriously, that's all we're asking for. We're not asking for a murderer's row. We're not asking for a formidable top four or top five. We're literally asking for Major League quality baseball players and at-bats at the top of your lineup until Aaron Judge comes back. And if Judge doesn't come back, it's a moot point because then this team just doesn't have it. And it's likely they don't have enough to compete even if Judge is back. But the nature of baseball, and we've seen it in recent years. We saw it in 2019 with the Nats. We saw it in 2021 with the Braves. We saw it last year with the Philadelphia Phillies. You hang on and you give yourself a chance. You get into the postseason and then you get hot. So that's the, the, the hope for the Yankees. And that's the path that they've got to follow. Now, they're in one of those wild card spots right now. The division doesn't look like it's going to be an avenue to the playoffs for them. They're nine and a half games back of Tampa Bay. But they're in the second wild card spot. So that's the good news right now. They're the second wild card spot. The bad news is it's very tightly packed. You know, Houston's on the outside looking in, but they're a game behind the Yankees. Um, the Angels are a game and a half. The Red Sox are three and a half. The Mariners are five games behind. So this isn't like where the Mets are where they're buried already. These teams are not buried. So the Yankees have to continue to try to hold the fort until Judge returns. Now, the good news for the Yankees, again, if you're doing a direct comparison between where the Yankees are compared to where the Mets are, with the Mets, as I continue to say, I don't know where the answers are. There don't appear to be any answers other than those who are currently playing need to play better and need to play a lot better. For the Yankees, obviously, you're missing Judge. You're missing Carlos Rodon, who's getting closer. You're missing Nestor Cortez. You're missing an important arm in your bullpen, Jonathan Loizaga, even though the bullpen's been very good. So there are answers out there for the Yankees. But the biggest thing that they have to do, and they've done a pretty good job of this already this season, which has helped give them a little bit of a cushion. They're 43-35. and 35. They're eight games above 500, And a big reason for that cushion that they're enjoying right now is they've beaten the teams they should beat. And now they have a few of those teams coming up between now and the All-Star break. You have three games in Oakland this week. The A's are 20 and 60. Then you go to St. Louis for three games. Another last place team. The Cardinals are 32 and 45. And then you come home a four-game series against the Orioles, who are extremely tough at 47 and 29. And then three games against the Cubs, another sub-500 team at 37 and 39. So you've got 13 games. Can you go... Can you go 8-5 and five between now and the All-Star break? I mean, you should go at least 8-5 and five if three of your games are against the A's. You go 8-5 and five between now and the All-Star break, you can get to 51-40. and 40, And you can get 11 games above 500 at the Midsummer Classic and give yourself a chance for if and when Aaron Judge returns. That's why these three games in Oakland are crucial. you got to win all three of these games. And the Yankees swept the A's when they were in the Bronx earlier this season. They swept the Reds in Cincinnati. Now, the Reds just went on that long winning streak, but earlier this season, they were a terrible team. Yankees took care of them. At the beginning of the season, the Giants had to find their way. The Yankees took care of them the first weekend of the season. So they've done a good job beating the teams they should beat. And now three of their next four series are against such teams in Oakland, in St. Louis, and the Cubs. So the Yankees have a chance to put themselves in position where if enough of the right guys come back, obviously Judge, Rodon, Cortez, 
And if you're in the position that they're in now, in a playoff spot, they will be active at the trade deadline to try to fortify your roster. So despite everything, and if you heard the uh, station earlier today, Don LaGreca had a fantastic rant on a Yankees fan who was complaining about the Yankees not bunting while the Mets are setting themselves on fire across town, just to put it into a little bit of perspective. But it is true. I mean, if you actually, the Yankees just have a, they have such a negative feel around them right now. The Josh Donaldson thing is uh, taking on a life of its own. The offense as a whole is not good. But if you just look at where they are right now, 43 and 35 in a playoff spot right now, 8 and 10 in the last 18 games with Judge not available to them, all things considered, it could be a lot worse. But they don't have a ton of margin for error either because, like I said, the standings behind them, those teams that are jostling for those wild card spots like the Blue Jays and the Red Sox and the Mariners and the Angels, they are right behind them. So the Yankees have to continue to string together some wins until they can get their lineup and their rotation fortified. Uh, we'll get some reaction from City Field. We'll talk about the NBA offseason. We'll talk about the Knicks and your calls at 1-800-919-3776 on 98.7 ESPN New York.